0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: Today, I want to introduce two words to you. I hope your life will pivot. I was along with mine from these two words. We read today in verse 12, and immediately, immediately the Spirit drives them into the wilderness. I'll get to those two words in a moment, but something took place quickly. What was prior to this? Jesus was going to begin his earthly ministry. He was just baptized, the Trinity was there the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Perhaps uh, great things are happening. That was a great moment for the Father said, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, something happened really quickly. The Bible said immediately the Spirit. You know that what happens in a Christian's life is directed by God Almighty. Nothing touches me, but that it's been first filtered through the hand of an Almighty God. I don't know what lies ahead, the road that lies ahead for me, for you, for my wife, my family, but I know that nothing is ever going to touch me without God's approval. And I know that somehow by faith, God's going to work all things together for good. Immediately the Spirit, uh, don't listen, I, 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 I blame this virus on Satan, yes, but, but I want you to know something. God is in control of everything. God has been trying to get the attention of the American people and the world. And immediately, the Spirit driveth them, the Bible says, into wilderness. You see, before God's Son, Jesus, public ministry is going to begin. God needs to send His Son to meet alone with Him. I know He's God, but He's wrapped in humanity. You pinch and it hurts. You put those nails through those hands and it hurts because he was flesh and blood and bone. Immediately the spirit driveth them into the wilderness. I wonder today if you're in a wilderness in your marriage or in your life or with your family or your church or what God's doing personally in your life and you don't understand God's plan. And I must say that most of the time, most of us don't agree with it. We don't like it. And sometimes we kick against it. I don't like this position I find myself. But God wants to teach us something in that wilderness experience. And before the great ministry of our Lord begins, he had to go through the wilderness. Who was there? What was there? Well, the wilderness, it had to be lonely. And in the wilderness he was there 40 days. And we know that in those 40 days he was hungered, he was without food. And so there's physical testing. There's emotional drama in his life because he's in a wilderness by himself. By the way, it says there also, he was tempted of Satan. Isn't it amazing when something happens, how Satan camps on your doorstep? Uh, Roloff, Brother Roloff used to sing, once again, I faced Satan this morning. I battled him all the day long. I wonder if you're in a wilderness experience. I wonder if you feel all alone. Our Lord was alone. i wonder if you're physically weak and hungry. He was. I, I wonder if you felt like, uh, and here it is, Satan was tempting him. And by the way, wild beasts, wild beasts were there. I, I'm not a camper. I'm not a hunter. I'm not any of that. But I, I was in, a, in the wilderness in Colorado many years ago. And I was preaching and had other preachers there. The next morning, they picked us up in a helicopter and, and I, I said, I really don't want to go. I had, but the older preachers and I said, this was probably thirty-five years ago. Said, we're going to the, we're going. And I said, well, where are we going? They Said, just get inside that helicopter. I took my briefcase. They laughed at me. I, they knew where we were we going. I, I took my briefcase. We used to carry those because I was going to study wherever we were going. And uh, they, they dropped us in the middle of the wilderness. You know, it's about the most boring thing. I first started fishing nothing happened. Why do people fish? Just go to the store and buy it. And then they're going to hunt. Why do that? Sit out in the cold all night long when you can just go to the store and get a a slab of beef. Amen. You won't have to hurt Bambi. And so we were there, and, and, and that night all those preachers knew I was afraid, and they're older than me, and all of a sudden, I'm by the campfire, and oh! I thought it was one of your guys' wife, but it wasn't. I, I, I don't know, I, I just, I, I, I said, what, what's that? And they said, oh, coyotes, and they're all, all these different animals. I said, I'm scared to death, fellas. Come on, you're tormenting me. They said, just stay by the fire, you'll be safe. I was by the fire with my eyes open all night long. Those guys are snoring, I was scared. I'll tell you what, don't look at me like that, Brother Tully. I see you back there. Are you a hunter? Yeah, I thought you would be. Go back to sleep, all right. But um, he's from Tennessee, so that's okay. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a fisherman. But animals, they sometimes bother me, especially cats. But we won't go there. Here he is in the wilderness hungry, Satan, wild animals. By the way, uh, the Spirit was there and the Father was there. And He who is God, Jesus, He was there. You never walk alone. I have a Savior. In this condition, His physical body, emotional strain, mental capacity, everything strain. The next verse is our message today. The next verse says this. Now, next two words after. Ready? After that, ready? Begin now. After that, say it one more time. Now, after that. You know, there's always an after that. There's always an after that. After that is found 111 times in the Bible. Acts 1:8. But ye shall receive power. What's the next two words? After that. It's amazing what can happen after that. It's amazing what can happen after COVID. It's not over yet. It's amazing what can happen after sorrow and after sin and after suffering and after heartache. It's amazing. Your marriage is going through trouble. You're in a wilderness experience right now. But you know what? Maybe after that's coming. Maybe you just have to go through this time where you're mentally exhausted and physically exhausted and emotionally exhausted, and you're hungry, you can't eat, you're frustrated in life. Maybe you're frustrated with your wife or you're frustrated with your husband or you're bewildered with your prodigal son or prodigal daughter. But after that, after that, who knows what God's going to do. I've said so much during these last two years. There was World War I, 1914 to 1918, and it looks so hopeless for the world. But there was an after that. And by the way, after that came 1918, the Spanish flu. And after that, there was blessing. And after that, in 1929 came the crash in October when Wall Street fell under and our banking system collapsed. But after that came World War II where 60 million casualties and men and women were buried on the battlefields and buried at sea and buried in cemeteries all over this country. We stood together in the Philippines years ago and we saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of grave sites for American soldiers that died in the Philippines. I wanna say that after the World War II, there came, there came the greatest moment in America's history for church work. In the 40s, during the war, right immediately after the war and in the 50s, the great large churches of America began soul winning, began uh, missions work like never before, began to run buses that had never run before, and miracles took place and churches were growing, and we had the 10 largest churches in America and Baptist churches that were winning people in Jesus Christ and fast-growing churches, and everywhere you look, churches were springing up and people were going to church after that after that there's always something that comes after that you can look at it the bad things that come after that but i want to look at the good things that come after that i don't want to look at the glass half empty i want to see it half full yes, amen. i want to see after that I, we we just might be sitting on the greatest moment of revival in world history hey. For he is not willing that any should perish. You say, well, don't you know he's coming again? I know he's coming again. The internet apparently told us that last week with the invasion of Russia and the Ukraine. Preachers all of America are saying, World War III, Armageddon's coming. I don't know if it's coming or not. It will one day. But would it not be fitting in God's character to send one more revival? For he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He knows when the tribulation begins, there'll be, there'll be a bloodbath of people and they'll die and go to hell. Right. Oh, you say, well, people get saved in the tribulation. Yes, they will. The Bible declares after this, I beheld, lo, great multitude of all nations and people and kindred and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb. They cried out, whose are these and whence came they? These are these that came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes in the, the blood of the Lamb. They died as martyrs through the tribulation, but they got to heaven. God, our God knows that Armageddon is coming. Our God knows that people will die by the millions and by the billions and go to hell for all eternity. Yes, I think there could be one more sweeping revival that sweeps through the land. Those choirs that stop singing can start singing again in America. And those buses that stop running can start running again. And those mission fields that have been closed to us can open again. And we can take people to the gospel. Those radio stations can air the gospel one more time. After that, I wonder what's all going to happen. You see in this chapter here, after that, verse 16, he started calling disciples unto him. And he said, I'll make you be fishers of men. After that, verse number 21, in verse 22, he began to reach people that were demon-possessed. After that, he took Peter's wife in this same chapter, in verse 29 and 30 and 31, and and, and took her by the hand, and the fever left her. After that, he was casting out more demons in verse 32. And after that, verse 35, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed a solitary place, and there he prayed. Verse 39, he preached. And then verse 40, a leper was healed. I'm telling you, after that, great things happened. I told our college students this week a story that took place in my life 51 years ago. 51 years ago, I was a sophomore in Bible college. I got discouraged. It was February. Of 1971, through the night, one of my roommates, and we had a room about 40, 50 guys, he left through the night and quit college. That was on my mind. In the morning, another one in my dorm, he got up and left college that day, packed his goods, and he said, Jack, you ought to go with me. I'll never forget him. I could call him by name right now. You ought to go with me. And I wanted to go. I got discouraged by the Whitlow. I was tired of school. My favorite professor was just now said he was going to leave the school and go to another Bible college. I'll never forget that morning. There was snow on the fields, those cornfields all around us. I went to the first class, music theory, I think it was three. And I got out of music theory and I went back to my dorm at eight o'clock in the morning like I did every day. That was my time. For the next hour, I didn't have a class, and I read my Bible. I tried to be spiritual, but I didn't want to stay. I wanted to go right here. This is my draft card. I wanted to go to Vietnam. I wanted to be a Marine. I don't think I'd have been a good one. I probably would have been a coward. I hope not, but uh, my buddies were going. And there it is, 1969, my first draft card. There was a 1971 draft card. And I was, I, I was going to be called anyway. And I said, Lord, I don't want to stay. I was reading my Bible. so said, I want to quit college today. I'm done. Everything's a struggle. I stutter. I stammer. I'm not a preacher anyway. I'm not even taking preaching classes because I can't, I can't do that. I can't take Greek. I can't, can't take Hebrew. I, I'm not, I don't have that ability. you got the wrong man. I tried to read my Bible, and I was in Jeremiah. My Bible reading. I came to chapter twelve. I came across verse five, and I read it: "Thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee." I stopped. I thought, "I'm running with the footmen right here, and I'm weary." And then God's word said, "How can thou contend with the horses?" And I wrote that day, if I can't make it in Bible college, I'm not going to make it in Vietnam. I said, God, I don't think you have the right man, but I don't believe I should leave. I believe right now I need to stay. I don't like the fact that I'm staying. That was a pivotal moment. I don't know, honey, if it was this exact day, but it had to be within the week. I received this letter February the 19th, 1971. This pastor that wrote me just in October, his wife, 45 years of age, died and left eight kids. I was so burned for him. I, never, I didn't know him, but I was just burned for him. In Rockford, Illinois, I was up in Wisconsin. He wrote me this letter Dear Jack. Thank you for your letter on Wednesday telling me that you could come on Sunday, March 14th, that'd be next Monday, 1971, both for the morning worship and the evening services. We'd like very much if you would lead the congregational singing in both services. If you sing solos, if I sing solos, (laughs) he did not know what he was getting. Uh, We'd like you to have a special number or two you people that don't think I should ever sing. I will not hold you to this, but would appreciate one. If you need transportation, we'll be glad to provide it for you if you let us know. We're looking forward to your coming for the day and for the that God may continue to guide you and prepare yourself as he and to serve him as he so leads. Yours in Christ, Melvin G. Swanson. Melvin Swanson, who's with the Lord, had a big church. To me, it was big. Four, I think 445 on the board when I walked in on a Saturday morning. I looked up there and said, last Sunday, 445. Record attendance, 779. I'd already opened up another church with seven people. I led singing for four people in the auditorium. But when I saw 449, I said, Lord, what have I got myself into? I was scared to death. I met a young man who was about three years older than me. He was in the back on that Saturday morning. He said, oh, my name's Dwayne. I said, Dwayne, I'm glad to meet you. What's your last name? Swanson. I said, are you the pastor's son? He had just gotten married. He said, I am. He was so kind to me. I remember that day uh, meeting then the next morning on Sunday this, this beautiful, gorgeous girl. And I tell you, right off the bat, I could tell. Hey, teenagers out there, she, she, had, her, she had her guns focused on me. She wanted me so bad. <laughs> I just knew she did. You know what happened? She didn't like me, and I didn't like her. <laughs> she played the piano, and I led the music. Saturday morning, children's choir. Uh, Sunday night, youth qu- uh, children uh, teenage choir. And on Wednesday night, a church choir, had to practice with her. I didn't like her. She didn't like me. I thought she was worldly. She thought I was too spiritual. I, I want you she was right on the too spiritual. Uh, but I want you to know this. We didn't like one another for all of March and all of April and all of May and all of June and all of July and all of August and September and October, November, December. About one year, almost to the date, a year later, she asked me out on a date. Now, she has a different story about that. You know, from that date, everything, a lot of great things happened in my life in February, and March. That letter that came in 71. And then our first date with the most beautiful lady in all the world. And in 72, that year, we were married. That's been 50 years. You know, I wonder if I would have chosen this. I didn't realize that after this was coming after this I wonder what God has in your life there's always an after this you think it's all over you think you're too inexperienced or you're too old or you're too young or you're too this or you're not talented or whatever but there's always an after this you think that COVID has us down, we, we can never, it will never, ever, ever be the same. Ask the World War I people. Ask the World War II people. Ask the Vietnam people. Ask the Spanish flu people. Ask the stock market people when they stood in bread lines to get food for their family and could not get a job. There's always been an after this. You know, since past been here these 46 years, there have been five major crashes in the silicon valley the first one in the 70s was the building trades and everybody in our church that was a builder lost their builder's licenses or lost their companies we had the last one the big tech tech bust they're predicting more coming well bring it on guess what there's still an after this coming you're in a wilderness right now but after this Miracles might take place. I want you to see that, that after this, yes, life is hard, but after this, it's not hard. It's a place called rest in heaven. I know that it's sometimes tribulation, but remember that after the tribulation, there's the millennium, after this. There's Job's sorrow, but after this was Job's blessing. There was uh, the wilderness experience for the children of Israel, but after that was Canaan land is just in sight. I want you to know that there's the feast of the tabernacles that lasted 14 days. That was not easy, but after that was harvest time. God always has it after that. In the Old Testament, there was a law, but after that was grace. All through the Bible, there was a crucifixion, but after that was a resurrection. I want you to know today, God has all of us here to tell you today from the word of God, after this, who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, but Retriever, sin has entered in my life. And when you sin and when I sin, do you notice we both sin? It grieves me so much. So here's David. He knew better. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. What a sorry testimony. Sin. That's David for you. But after this was this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth. That Psalm 23 came after his sin with Bathsheba. That's the first psalm, to my knowledge, I memorized in junior church. God wasn't done with David. And you folks that like to throw stones at everyone else and their sins and their failures, it's because you're trying to hide your own. I I think today of Peter... He was right. He was one of these called out in, in, in this chapter. He was called to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus, and he's with Jesus all the way. And then when Jesus needed him the most, when he went to the garden, he's asleep, and then when he went to the cross, he said, "I don't even know who He was. is. I don't know Jesus." And he began to swear. But after this, just a few days later, Standing and preaching, men and brethren, and 3,000 souls got saved. You have sin in your life? And the devil tells you because in that wilderness, he's telling you how bad you are and how worthless you are and what a failure you are and join the crowd. He tells all of us that. I want you to know after this, after that terrible sin of swearing, after that terrible sin of adultery, after that terrible sin, and you put in the blank, whatever it might be, after the terrible failure, God used David and God used Peter to the point when he was ready to be be crucified they said, we're going to crucify you because I'm not worried to die like my Lord, put me upside down. You see, when sin enters in our life, the devil tells us it's all over. The sun will never shine again. Though the sin was wrong in our lives, God may pivot our lives from that moment of weakness and despair that we all have and turn it After this, God might touch you to help others on the journey of life. I think about the fact of suffering. Perhaps you're suffering today. It may be a physical ailment. It may be a loneliness, a sadness, a sorrow. Do you think Job suffered? Well, he said this in chapter 23, verse 10, for when I'm tried and purified, Here's the after that, I shall come forth as gold. I wonder what your suffering is. Maybe you'll suffer throughout the rest and remainder of your life with your health, but there's a new body coming. There's no pain, there's no sorrow. He promised that. I wish I had time to take you to 1 Peter. There's three chapters there I'd like you to see and we won't take the time. But God says that when you suffer, You're going to come forth, and he'll try you. But really, quite frankly, the best things are going to happen after you suffer. You dear pastors that are here, I commend you. I commend your wife. And I commend your people. God's people have gone through two years of difficulty. We've had people not just lose their jobs, we've had people lose their careers yeah. because they did not obey what the government said you had to do. I'm not advocating the, the vaccine or not, I'm not suggesting either. I'm just saying that people lost their careers. Right. Some were just real close to the end of the journey, and the rules of government took their career. That uh, You suffered, and school teachers here at our school, God bless you, in the college, teaching, teaching remote and teaching all mask up. Where you, And you could see students teaching outside last winter, all winter, students huddled around the fire pits under these tents, going to Bible college in the tents and freezing and cold. And rain coming in under their feet and going to Bible college. trade. By the way, during that time, we didn't lose one student that quit, that dropped out over finances, or got removed. Graduation came last May, and every student that started stayed. Never happened in 25 years in the history of our school. After that, who knows what God's going to do. Our graduates that are graduating in just really a a couple months here come across this platform, and I want to tell you something. I can't wait to shake their hand because I respect them so much. They stayed through the 10th. They stayed when you could not go to a dining hall. They stayed when you had to get your food in a little box and go in your room and eat it by yourself, county rule. Could not eat it outside. Could not talk to one. They, They were here. They were here. I guess three or four weeks that I got thinking, some of these kids date. Some of these kids are engaged. And it just dawned on me, they can't even talk to one another. They were allowed to congregate. And not one, Pastor said maybe it's because you're influencing your wife, not one complained. But after this, I tell you what, on the parking lot out there, in the tents out there, and on this platform, I've had a lot of "You may kiss the bride," That's after that. After this. I've, they, they waited so long that I had the most time to turn my head, go at it. <laughs> there, there is sin, but there's life after that. There's suffering. There's salvation. I, I, I wish I could take the time to take you to all this scripture. But in Titus, speak no evil of any man, no brawlers, but be gentle, showing meekness, which were some of you who were disobedient, living in pleasures, living in malice, and envy, and hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared to all men. God can take a blasphemer, God can take a drunk and God can take a, a sophisticated sinner who has malice and envy and hatred in his heart. You think the government's ever going to legislate us to love one another? Are you kidding me? Government can't make me love you, and you can't make government can't make you love me, but God can make me love all of his children. I don't have any problem with any other person, any other culture. Because the grace of God, after all this, came this. Let me close after this and just say this. Perhaps you're saved, but you stumbled. Not just with sin necessarily. Jeremiah, let's call you to the witness stand. And here's Jeremiah. God, I've been weeping before these people. They call them backsliders, call them back, and they have their ears stopped. They won't listen. And now I'm in prison, and I'm going to quit the ministry. And Jeremiah, that great prophet, quit. But after that, the Word of God began to burn in his bones. He said, I can't quit. John Mark quit, but the Word of God became powerful in his life. And Paul, in his latter years of life, said, send John he's profitable to me. Yeah. Job quit. He said, my own familiar friends, and my family, and, and my servants, and they all abhor me. And he lost his health, and he lost his wealth, and he lost his children. And his wife said, curse God and die. He lost everything. They lost respect. But he said, he said over here, I quit. I, I, I loathed the day I was born. But God began to speak to him again in chapter 40 and 41 and 42. And Job says in 42, 6, but God, I know that thou canst do everything. Amen. And God restored him after that. It took a year from chapter 1 to chapter 42. It took a year, but after that, See, I think of how my dear prophet Elijah, he called down fire from heaven in chapter 18. And in chapter 19, Jezebel said, tomorrow you're going to die. And he quit and He sat under that tree. But God dealt with him again, and after that, his ministry flourished. You know, the problem is, you're in a, you're in a wilderness experience right now. Our dear pastors that come this week, perhaps some are thinking about, maybe not in this room, but this week that I come, I'm, I'm just going to quit. There's no hope. I'm just going to quit. I'm so tired. I'm just so weary. Maybe, maybe your sweet wife is worn out. Maybe people have been leaving the church. Maybe people have been unkind. And, and maybe your heart is just so broken, we've labored for here, And now look, it's all falling apart around us. I want to announce to you, all of us tonight, there's an after that. Hey, teenagers, God bless you, sweet kids. I I don't know about all your home situations. Maybe it's not right. Maybe there's not a mother in the home or maybe not a dad or maybe neither. I don't know. But you know what? There's coming an after that in your life. If you'll wait for the right young lady or the right young man, and if you'll listen to these preachers and leaders up here and Sunday school teachers and lay people, if you'll listen, let them guide you into adulthood and give you direction in your life. There might be an after that where one day some beautiful young girl says, I'd like to be your wife or stay with you. And together you might, you might raise godly children and you might be a preacher of the gospel. You might be the pastor of this church one day. After that, we're out of time. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I have so much more I'd like to say. I think of this letter from my, the man that became my father-in-law. What, what a wonderful letter, 51 years ago, almost to the date of today. Lord, I, had I quit that day, I would have never seen this letter. I would have never met Cindy Swanson. My life would have been so empty because I would have missed the perfect one for my life. There would be no North Valley Baptist Church, at least not here with me and my wife. I wonder if there would be a Golden State Baptist College, a North Valley Baptist School, and all these things you've done. Lord, I didn't realize it, but that wilderness day was so pivotal, Really, my life hinges, Lord, from that moment. And not that I was so great because I really still wanted to quit, but I knew that you wouldn't let me. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder, are you going through some type of wilderness experience? There's some testing, there's some trial, there's some wild beast. Satan is working against you. Your old body is weak because you're not eating properly or you're worn out with the battle that you're fa- facing. I wonder, are wilderness experience Please hear me, there is an after that, after that. Brother Treber, I'm saved, but I'm going through an experience. I need help. Would you pray with me Would you raise your hand, let God see your hand, and I'll try to see it as well. All of this house, I'm in a difficult situation right now. Hands are going up everywhere, everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. Difficult situations, yes. Up in the balcony, thank you. May put them down? Now, our Father, you've seen the many hands here today. And I pray that you would show them there's a hope after that wilderness experience. There's hope after sin. There's an after that. There's an after that after suffering and salvation and sorrow and sadness.